No holds barred here. Oh, look at Luke with a new microphone. Are you in Drizaldi's basement? I'm in Drizaldi's basement. I saw that. I was like, I know that basement. I know that basement. <laughs> it is freezing cold here, and I don't know where the thermostat is. Ah, that's fine. It is. How, How you are doing, you? Luke? I, I'm alive. So, <laughs> sorry so there was no episode last week. Uh, I don't know what happened. I was feeling like crap. And You had uh, COVID, just, right? I, I don't know for sure, but I'm a little worried that it, that's what it was. So I have some reason to believe it may have been COVID nineteen, but I don't know. But uh, my I went to the doctor at urgent care on Friday, and I was like, "I'm no, I'm sorry." On Thursday, and I was like, "I'm I'm not better." And she was like, "Yeah, uh, it's like it could be COVID. It, I don't think it's strep. It could be the cold, but like COVID or the cold, the treatment's the same. So, um, like you just need to rest. So I, that's what I did, man. I have just slept for the past week. I don't. I'm ugh. So sorry Isn't there was no the episode. Best. Sorry there was no update, but you know, I was, yeah, we uh, I had a crazy week as well, and then um, went out of town right when you were like, "Hey, I can record," and I'm like, "I am getting on a plane. It's pushing back right now." So it is so hard to coordinate our schedules. Yeah. Um. So sorry about that. We're not going away or anything. Just. Uh, you know, I honestly think. I mean, I didn't push it at all because I was feeling like crap. Yeah, when we talked, I could barely even understand you. I could. I didn't know what I was even saying. I'm like, I'm. I'm still not quite 100, percent but I'm. I'm definitely better. Like, I'm definitely better. So the doctor told me seven to ten days, and I'm at that like ten day mark. I'm like, okay, yeah, not 100, okay. percent but I am. Like it's it's just it's it's very I'm a little funny and you know what's really funny too is I had an idea for a show I woke up at like three in the morning an idea for a podcast like oh this would be great and I can't remember it <laughs> you got to write that uh, down ideas, it may not have been good but in my mind I was like oh this is so good and then it's gone there is a noise coming from something behind me literally this room has been dead quiet and as soon as we hit record <laughs> this thing is like. Bruh! Oh, man. I was. Just, so I, I thought it was gonna be funny if if uh, Beth just all of a sudden just popped up in the background. Uh, she won't get home until four. She she teaches science with uh with her at her kiddos' school. And oh, so, that's uh, right, nice. Yeah. So yeah, so it's, Gomer's it's staying funny. at our best friend's house down in Atlanta <laughs> while he's talking. Yeah, yeah. Now, how much? How, okay, I want you to tell our listeners how much notice did you give John about you uh, staying there? So. Okay, in my defense, I wasn't planning on staying here. I wasn't planning on staying here. I was just letting him know that I was coming. I'd be roughly in yeah. town. So how, I mean, how much hours? time did you give him when you? Said I was I'm on be the town. plane. I was on the plane, <laughs> and it was pulling back from Houston, and it's a two and a half hour flight to Atlanta. So two and a half hours. <laughs> he had sent me a reply saying, "You can stay here if you want." And I was like, well, they have these hotels. They they recommended two hotels. They wanted me to get them, and then they'd reimburse me. And I was like, you know, these are the two in our town, our small town that we would recommend. And then I was just like, well, it's an hour drive from John's house to there. Um, yeah. I was like, what if what if I just did that? What if I just um, stayed at John's, and then I, I got a rental car, and so I have a rental car. I never do rental cars. But um, that's but that's that'll be worth it though, even if it's just a little bit of time with them because they're a wonderful oh, yeah. family. And like so, if just you've everyone, if you have heard all of our episodes, John's on one of the early early ones. 
Uh, so uh, <laughs> a little awkward. <laughs> yeah. What what episode was that, Luke? Why did uh, we record with John? The listeners will have to figure it out for themselves. Yeah. But he's one of our best friends from college. Very, very good mutual of a uh, very good mutual friend of the two of us. John is my, one of my, I mean, him and you and Adam are my earliest friends from college pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Orientation yeah. weekend. So I thought John was cool because he was from New Jersey, New Jersey, New he had a Jersey tattoo. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> I'm from Ohio. This is interesting and different. <laughs> You'd go into the city. Wow. What was that like? <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I've been here and it's been great. I have, uh, Oh, my headphones are about to die. Of course. Oh, One headphone good. just died. This is great. Um, anywho, uh, I'm so prepared. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, doing the parish mission, I've realized. Um, I, I, okay, my, my number one type of person that I hate is the person who thinks they're so good or so whatever at a thing that they stop learning. Right, They're, they mm-hmm. become unteachable. I knew this mm-hmm. guy who thought he was the greatest homilist who ever lived, and uh, his name was Father Dave Pavanka. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. He's no, no, the, and, the best homilist I've ever seen. It's the only reason why I use his name. It's not him. Yeah, so we're clear. He, yeah, it's not him. Uh, but he became unteachable to the point where you know I, I would say you know <laughs> like try to offer constructive criticism of things i was like you know i've we've and and then i got into a fight and i said i don't know if you're aware but you only have like three homilies and you just give it over and over again i do not i have been doing that and you're like all right father okay okay but um but that's the thing is i never want to be that guy i know i i everyone has things they're confident in and maybe arrogant in but I never want to be the difference between confidence and arrogance. One of the differences is, I think, um, is you still are teachable and you're humble and you look to learn from even in an area that you think you're a master at. You're still looking to learn. Okay. And well, one I mean, of the, if you look at, let me just, can I, it's just kind of yeah, interject please. one thing. I think it's actually a really interesting point is that confidence comes from competency. So when you're, that's, when you're able to do something, that's where, like, that's one of the reasons why with, like, some kid psychology, it's, I think it's good to be positive with kids, but, like, the confidence comes from being able to do stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Successfully. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And so, no, for me, like, being a public speaker doing this stuff, it's very easy for me. Like, so yesterday I did my talk to the high school and middle school students. I'm going to, I was walking towards the bathroom. And this guy stopped me and he goes, hey, can I ask you a question real quick? And I said, yeah. And he goes, how did you get so good at public speaking? And I said, uh, and I literally was halfway into the bathroom door and I had to pee really bad. <laughs> so I said, I said, well, I, um, I, I, I grew up listening to great speakers like Fulton Sheen and Scott Hahn and all these people like my parents would collect their audio tapes and I would listen to them. I said, so I surrounded myself and then I became like a fan of, of like talks and speeches and stuff. So, I mean, I have a book of the greatest speeches of the 20th century and like all this stuff. I said, I like became like a student. I said, that's one. Number two is to this day, I have probably given uh, around 1500 to uh, maybe, maybe an ex- 
2000 might be a little bit too much, but I've given at least 1500, I think, uh, talks like honest to goodness, 15 minute plus talks. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm not, if you say, Hey, I need you to go up on that microphone and talk in front of a room full of priests, a room full of bishops, a room full of laity, a room full of women, a room full of men, a room full of kids, a room full of students, whatever. None of that bothers me anymore because a room is a room is a room. People are people. And when mm-hmm. you can do it that yeah. often, you realize. So I was going through it and I, I says, why do you ask? And he goes, well, I was in an architecture competition, me and some group of kids in our school. And that's when I realized this guy was a high school student and I was halfway in the bathroom. So I'm like, oh, the safe environment policies are violated. Let's go into the hallway where it's well lit and there's well traffic. But um, I, he said, uh, we failed. We lost the competition, not because of what we built, but because all of us were so scared to talk publicly that they that we didn't even get honorable mention. He's like, it was bad. He oh, said, wow. we had the same. He was like, it was a good thing. Like our the thing we designed was as good as anyone else's. He mm-hmm. said, but uh, he said, I was the one that got stuck with presenting. I was shaking so much. And so I started giving him tips on like how to get past that, how to overcome that. And then today, this morning at like 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. after morning cups of coffee with John and, and his wife, um, I just started watching YouTube videos on like the best ways to overcome anxiety and giving talks and stuff. And I was like, oh, it's funny. I wish someone would have told me this. I kind of backward engineered it. But this is like there's so much solid advice that's out there. So. You so my well yeah no yeah so the the sorry my computer then just told me I'm low in battery but I have the charger <laughs> oh right my there. gosh Garmly, <laughs> I know this is not my this is my life this is why my <laughs> wife yelled at me to take ADHD medicine or at least talk to a doctor which I did good for you uh, did you know, do the I'm test a, not uh, no I you. just started the conversation to get then sit down good good referral and all I'm, that stuff but I'm um, very, I'm yeah, very proud so, of you thank you so the ultimate thing is like. I have sat down now, even though this is probably the 15th time I've given roughly this talk tonight, I'm looking at it and saying, all right, how can I do this with the new skills that I've learned today, this morning? What can I change? How can I create a better hook to grab them? How can I tell Mm -hmm. better stories to explain it? You know, and I realize, like, yeah, yeah, no, there are, there are big gaps in my, in my approach that, at the end of a talk, people say, hey, that was a great talk, <clears throat> but I really do want it to be great. I don't just want it to be a good talk. So, well, uh, it, yeah. yeah, so that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm trying to be nice. teachable, trying to be teachable. Well, I think also part of that comes from having the humility to be like, yeah, actually, you know, there's some things that I want to like learn how to do. So I think that's a, that's, that's a good skill set to have, to be able to say, hey, I want to be better at this thing. I want to be able to um, keep pushing myself because you're going, you know, I think, what is it from the 10,000 hours? Uh, 10,000. Well, there's the, the 10,000 hour thing, of course, which is that you get really good by doing a thing for at least 10,000 hours. But then two, uh, Stephen Covey talks about you have, you want to be able to sharpen the saw, right? And that's actually, that's a habit to build. It's not a thing to keep in mind and set. It should be part of like your, some type of a habit that you do i think like 20 percent of your time or whatever during your week if you can devote it towards 
drawing for work, you know, whatever. So I love that. Yeah. I, I totally forgot about that analogy. And I even yeah. used that phrase the other day, but that's exactly it. <laughs> I, I totally forgot about that. I talked about it and I even I'm use that as a point, but you know, I was that's the most well, you I mean, thing ever. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> you no, would know, but talking- like, you are very much a person of osmo of osmosis though. Yeah. Yeah. Like you absorb a lot. Like I've heard you say things where I'm like, like I've actually heard you on this podcast talk and say things just like Merlin Man, trying to present it as your own. And I'm like, mother effer, I know what you're doing right right now. You're literally and, but, just but quoting the thing Merlin is, Man. I've no, no, but you have no, so you have much, no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I thought it was it was so funny. It was so funny. The one thing I have stolen from Merlin Man that I use and I'm conscious of it every time is whenever I give a high school not one every time, but Whenever I do a high school talk, I'll go up and say, what's up, nerds? <laughs> <laughs> and he always does that when he does a presentation. Uh, I, I, I listened to his podcast, Back to Work, uh, for the first time in a long time the other day. And I was like, man, yeah. that's right. They're so, man, that's right. That's what this is. That's, that's right. Take that, nice. Jason, Travis, Kelsey. This is real podcasting. Uh, <laughs> with your Taylor <laughs> Swifts and your devoted spouses. <laughs> I didn't mean that the way that it probably came out to a lot of people. I just I just meant oh. uh, they were talking about how Jason Kelsey's <laughs> wife refuses to wear any other team jersey besides the Eagles. Because <laughs> she's a Eagles fan. And, and like she wore like a red shirt, but it was a um University of like Cincinnati shirt where they, they went to college at. Um oh, that's not cool. a Kansas City shirt. And I was like, I, I get that. I get that. <laughs> Um, so it's Lent, Loyalty. and I don't want to bore. I don't want to bore everyone with, with us going into what we're giving up for Lent. But I do want to talk, just bring up something very funny for Lent um, that happened to me. So I gave up YouTube videos because you know it was coming a bit much. A lot of airstream, a lot of airstream. Um, <laughs> do you want to know how many times I've been like a thirty minutes to an hour into a YouTube show and been like, "Wait, I gave this up." <laughs> like I'm not talking five. I'm talking like twenty minutes or so. You're part of it's because invested. I've been sick, mm-hmm. but part of it was just like, oh wow! <laughs> like, I, like before you hopped on, I was like, I pulled up the um, New Heights podcast, whatever, with the Kelsey brothers on YouTube, and I was like, wait, I'm not supposed to be doing, but I was like already in watching, like already, you know. How often how, do you do things like that? Do you not? Are you better than me? Oh my gosh! All the time. Are you kidding me? And then, then you have to go to war with the the excuse that we all make, which is, well, I've already started, already done it. Yeah, I've already done it. Yeah, that's the that's actually the most morally destructive attitude you can have. And I have it. That's like I think the worse than murder. Yes, uh, <laughs> absolutely. No, because what happens is it starts with watching YouTube when you shouldn't be, but it always ends in murder. Uh no. Um now you're doing the drugs and you're murdering? Ah, look at you. The gateway. YouTube. Um no, but we like that thing of like, okay, I've fallen off the horse, I've fallen off the wagon, how do I get back on? And so many people like that that phrase like, well, oh well, it's too late. I already gave up or already failed or whatever. It's like uh I, I I one time read a book through osmosis, um one of the most important decisions you can make ahead of time is not what are you going to is not what your goal is i mean that's important obviously but then what will your response be when you fail 
and he said the most important um response needs to be as soon as i'm aware of my failure i need to plan tomorrow to go back to as if i hadn't right like the idea of um i, I i'm gonna fail if, if i fail i'm not gonna let that become an excuse to fail again and i'm gonna get back up so that uh tendency has been so strong in my like my own recovery process of getting away from things that you should not be viewing right and stuff and so like you sit there and you're like well i already screwed up once what's the you know oh i already need to go to confession well i already need to and it's like no 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 no. that's the destructive hap that's the the voice of uh the one who led you into temptation saying well give up you already you already mm-hmm. screwed up and it's like no 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 the path to victory starts with seven seconds you know after i screwed up like okay shouldn't have done that damn what do i do now and if you're caught in the temptation the thing is get up and walk away once you realize oh crap i shouldn't be on youtube turn it off that's the strongest thing to do well the ability to get back up is uh severely underrated yep you know so like i think sometimes we uh you know it's funny i don't know if a film like rocky would be made today you know Mm. because rocky's not about winning it's about just getting back up and going the distance right it's about isn't that that funny it's not about winning it's it's not about winning now the next five films clearly were about winning. <laughs> Boy, were they. I love those movies so much. But uh, if I could change, and you could change, everyone could change. It's wonderful. <laughs> God bless America. Fucking love it. <laughs> so great. Um, uh, what's the matter with you? Okay, sorry. Uh, anyways. Uh, good, um. But this idea of just like, you know, like, so in, in that, in that film, he's got to, he's, he's supposed to be like an older washed up boxer, which he was in the next six films for the next 50 years. Um, uh, anyways, but, uh, you know, kind of who's going against, he's been plucked from obscurity to fight the heavyweight champion of the, of the world. Who's the person that has never had to go 12 rounds with anyone. And yeah. No one's ever gone a full 12 rounds until. That becomes um, um, Rocky's goal is just to go the distance. He just wants to go the full 12 rounds, and he does. And I think now there's such uh, an emphasis. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, so we consider it. <laughs> now there's such an emphasis on, uh, I don't know if winning's even the right word, of like either like you like go hard or go home kind of a thing. And like mm. this, this thing of like the, the ability to, like, to keep going is. Um, either distorted or not really talked about it's i, 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 yeah. I don't know I, I i don't know i don't know if, if um this is right or not i i could be wrong here but i, I just why, i feel like what why do we fall mr wayne <laughs> <laughs> why do why do we fall mr wayne so we can get back ups that's my michael kane impression that was so great that was so great <laughs> now what's wayne. the point of all those push-ups if you can <laughs> that was some so men, good some men just want to watch the world burn <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh i hope i, I don't have eye. to I can't, that was so i can't do it you're that's so much better than me that's so great please don't stop <laughs> oh there's a poem that michael sir michael king reads on um 
on YouTube and I make my sons watch it and I cry every time. <laughs> I love, 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 it's the, uh, um, is it Kipling's If? It's about You'll Be a Man, My Son. I love that poem. And I love the it's, way yeah. he reads it. Love yeah. that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let, let, let's go back to the thing that you were talking about. Um, one of the uh, w- one of the hardships that I think we bear as humans is it's a it's a twofold thing. To me, this is like evidence of original sin. Every person, and I I honestly didn't know this about human nature. Like in our head, we tend to think of like, oh, I understand the world around me, and and to a certain extent, I'm the exception to certain rules. Like, I'm special. I'm different. Like, it's not the same with me as it is with everyone else. Right? Like, that works for most people, but that doesn't work for me kind of thing. And I'm not talking about, like, personality. I'm talking, like, like deep in your core, you believe, like, for some reason, yourself is set apart from the rest of humanity. And not in like a, I don't, I don't think initially it's a prideful thing. I think it becomes that, but I was listening to uh, a guy give a talk to a bunch of roofers at a roofer conference. (laughs) And, but he, I mean, like this guy was blowing my mind and he said, and he's going through, he's like, he was in the pool industry and he's telling you how he like did his job. And he goes, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Marcus you don't understand my industry. You don't know my business. That doesn't work. And he goes, quit pretending. Oh, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. There are 11,000 roofers in the state of Georgia, which is a true fact. 3,500 in Atlanta alone. But you're different. And you start, And I remember him saying that. And he goes, everyone thinks they're different. It's the moment you realize that you're the same. You have the same weather, the same circumstances, the same industry, the same shingles as everyone else. The moment you realize like, circumstances are the same that then you can start to do something different from there and mm-hmm. for me the way this was expressed was like when i sin and i remember at franciscan going to a priest going to confession i've shared this story before but i i kept saying like i was so demoralized i kept saying i can't believe i did that and, and father gus leaned in he goes do you even hear yourself i did this i sinned i i he goes I believe it. Have you ever met you? You're a sinner. And I was like, holy crap. I put myself, I I was depressed and discouraged because I put myself on this pedestal of exception. Like everyone else is a sinner. But when I'm on that pedestal, when I fall from it, it's like, I don't want to repent because like, how could I? Right? Like, I'm the exception, yeah. and I yeah. failed. And it's the realization, like, no, 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 jerk. You belong to the mass of humanity. You're, you're a fellow sinner. And once you can identify that, then when you actually sin, you're not. And mortal sin, don't, don't get me wrong. Mortal sin is absolutely grave and always to be avoided. But what happens to so many Catholics is we cross that line, and then we're like, Oh shit, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And it paralyzes us to this point where we just become so discouraged until confession is kind of forced on us or or whatever instead of being like, yeah, no, I'm a sinner. I need to go to confession right now to someone who I know is a good confessor because I need to get this thing out of me. But like yeah, the exception thing I think actually becomes a buffer between us and actually 
hitting reboot and restarting and mm-hmm. starting the process of recovery. Well, like all a sin is a distortion of the good or the true, right? Or yeah. even the beautiful, right? Like so that idea, that thing about like I think that if you if it's okay to feel like you're called to greatness or that like I think that idea of like the specialness of you is because you're you, right? And that the Lord has placed it on your heart to achieve like John Paul II says, it is Christ that like you think of when you dream of happiness or when you dream of great things, or I forget how the exact quote goes, but like that distortion of that is then like isolation. And that that somehow I that call to great things, that call to like a a um things beyond just original sin is me alone mm. you know like that's and that's what most like sin does is is it isolates right it tears you Absolutely. apart from the community or from uh, other people like you know you're it i don't know like there are times of, like like I, I think it's very interesting to if you think about like a a a discernment of spirit it's often classified as like to or like away from God. I think it can also be viewed as to or away from community, unless the Lord is directly calling you to be away for a period of time, which is rare, but it does happen. Yeah. And so, man, you said something that like got my brain on fire. Um, Don't I always. Right. So, you, so <laughs> your brain is on fire. I'll take it. Especially if you sing to me. Um, no, like this is the like you often talk about living in the tension. Like Christianity has these tensions that can never you can't resolve the tension because then mm-hmm. it breaks the 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 pull. And orthodoxy is the middle of the tension, right? So you have divinity and humanity. Humanity is a creature; we're something, but we came from nothing. So you have the wonderful book um, "Sickness Unto Death" by Kierkegaard, which is his most popular work of all time sickness unto death everyone should read that book but it's this he's he's relating like what is it what does it mean to have being but to come from nothing is we live in the tension that oscillates between the two between something that's already and the not yet the nothingness of my humanity and the everythingness that is possible with god and yet here mm. i am in the middle so i i just think it's interesting when when we think of ourselves like you don't belong to the mass of humanity because you're the exception. That's the first step in your mind of isolation, right? Like, yeah, everyone's that way except you. And whatever that way is, right? It could be good traits or bad traits, right? If you, if you hate yourself, it's probably you only see good in other people and, and your lack. But the idea of it is... um, I'm alienated from myself and from others at the same moment, right? Because it's like, no, 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 no. What you are is human. You belong to humanity. And it's like, yeah, but it's like, no, not yeah, but. And then the other side of that tension is what you also said, which is the unique and un, and uh, unrepeatability of who you are. There will never be another Luke Carey. There will never be another Michael Gormley, right? And yet, so in the personal individualism, we, we maintain that, while at the same time, our shared humanity, we have to maintain that. And, you know, someone one time, uh, I think it was Reverend Timothy Keller, God rest his soul, <clears throat> he said, when we refuse to forgive others, 
we do a twofold action where we remove ourselves from the mass of sinful humanity and say, uh, I'm, I'm incapable of sin. This is kind of like this mentality we have. And he said, and the person who wronged us, we throw them into the mass of humanity and say they are incapable of mercy. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm incapable mm-hmm. of doing it. And he goes, but then when we turn that hatred onto ourselves, we then say, I'm incapable, I'm unworthy of mercy, and other people, they're incapable of sinning, right? We make them better Mm -hmm. than us. And he's like, but the reality is we have to smush them both together and realize the only reason why any of us have any mercy is because we need it, because we're all sinners, but thank God we've been rescued by grace uh, in Jesus Christ, right? So Mm -hmm. Christ alone in his humanity, again, becomes the mediator between the individual Hmm. And the universal, right? It's such a gr- huh? Yeah, because he's the vic- right. He yeah, he's the yeah. vicarious representative. So in our in Catholic atonement theology, the the notion is the vicarious representative is he stands in for all of us, and then by standing in for all of us, if we are in him, we get everything that belongs to him. So we're all in Adam. The first Adam fails. <clears throat> we're in Adam, so we all fail. So then the son of God becomes a son of Adam. That's the play. He becomes one of us who is born at a failed state, and then he never fails. So in his death, he perfectly brings justice and mercy. But in his resurrection, he becomes something new, right? And then if we're in him by baptism, do you not know that those of you who are in Christ uh, you know, have been baptized into his death, right? So if we're dying with him, then the old Adam dies. Then we rise with him out of the baptismal waters. The new Adam's life can begin, right? The second Adam, uh, Jesus. And so this tension uh, always has to be kept. And the moment we lose sight of vicarious representation, we lose that tension. Here's the one who represents the many. The many can now be in the one, right? And Mm -hmm. I am in the one, Jesus, as if I were the only one, but also with humanity. All of those things yeah. always kept keep me out of mortal sin. Like it's just as simple as that in in a certain respect. Hmm. Uh you know what's a good place to go and experience the mercy of God at? Uh NASCAR events? The Steubenville conferences. Oh heck yeah, baby. Is it time and for a new ad? Let's do it, bud. It is time for a new ad. And this summer, look, that was a segue if there ever was one on catching foxes. <laughs> Who's yeah, this summer, this summer we got uh, conferences all over the country. Um, you want to go to steubenvilleconferences.com in order to find a youth conference near you. We also have adult conferences. There are four conferences. Uh, there's the Power and Purpose. There's uh, the Applied Biblical Studies, uh, Defending the Faith. And then the fourth one I can't remember off the top of my head. But they have uh, wonderful loser. conferences. Huh? I said loser. <laughs> I know, right? They have exactly adult conferences for you. If you're an adult, uh, I think the Defending the Faith Conference even has a young adult track where they do some fun stuff for just young adults. They bar all the older people. But then they have um, they have these conferences. So if you are like me or Luke, we were a big part of our faith was in high school going to a Steubenville Youth Conference. And then on top of that, I, as a youth minister, for years and years and years, brought teens to Steubenville Youth Conferences. And now I am a speaker and I speak at the Steubenville Youth Conferences. So I can say from as a participant, a a chaperone, 
and a uh, someone who's works behind the scenes and a presenter. The, there are no conferences like the youth conferences from Steubenville because they, uh, number one, it, they sweat the details. I have never been a part of a conference that sweats the details more than that. All the speaking team, we do it as a community. Like we have to go to each other's talks. We go through the events together. Everything is done as a community. We don't go to our hotel rooms until it's our time to talk and then disappear until dinner time. So we track all, we pray for each other. We pray for the teens constantly. So this is a prayer saturated thing. And the adult conferences are run the same way. It's cool having Scott Hahn lead it for the Defending the Faith Conference. Nailed it. And it, it, it's, it's powerful. So if you want to find out more transforming life changing events, look up. If you're an adult, you want to take some teens maybe as a chaperone, steubenvilleconferences.com. Find a youth conference near you or come to the main campus, come to the mothership and see and attend one of our adult conferences and get some delicious, uh, uh, delicious like subs over at Caprice, some of those meatball subs. Mm. Oh. oh, man. Tell them that I'm Luke and Gomer sent, sent you. And when you go, bring your money in a brown yeah. paper sack. In <laughs> cash only. So, <laughs> man. Uh, anyways, thank you to Studible Um Conferences for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Gomer, good ad read. Look at that. Look at that. Was, yeah, all off the top of my head, baby. Look at that. Man, I'm, I'm, sli- yeah. <laughs> We'll make a joke. It was. I, was like, I don't hey. have anything. I don't have. A I was like, Superville's doing an ad. No bad jokes, Luke. No bad jokes. <laughs> oh man, um, I uh, I'm I'm happy you brought this stuff up with the YouTube. My um my thing has been alcohol and soda. I gave up basically. If it's not like water or coffee, I'm not really drinking it. But really, so I'm I'm gonna do alcohol. I think for a year. I'm gonna give it up for a year. A year. Yeah, and the here's Boo. the funny thing. Why can't you just be normal? Why can't you just do it for 40 days? Why a year? Well, because I started this in January. What are we going to do if I if I come out there over the summer? What are we going to do? You can drink in front of me, and I can watch you and be your DD. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> no, but um, I I started on, on, on January 1st. Me and my wife were like, we're probably not going to drink. And I'm like, yeah, I want to do this. So we had the Patronal Feast Day, which was in February, their patron saint feast day. And I said, we're, I'm going to drink there. I made two exceptions. One was for Sikh and one was for the paternal feast. I get everyone an old fashioned. Father Mike Schmitz comes in. I say, hey, can I get you an old fashioned? We're this beautiful bar, Ascension Press, pick this beautiful place, or this beautiful bar. And he goes, no, my brother convinced me to give up alcohol for a year. And he's like, I'm so bummed. I have all these things that I want to do. And he goes, but you know, my brother asked, so I'm going to do it. So I'm giving up alcohol for a year. And I'm holding this drink that I told Shannon that I probably wouldn't drink, but then I ended up, I was halfway done with it, and I'm like, but it's so good, and it's such it's paying for it. <laughs> but and I do love know. the sauce. Oh, man. It was, so, it was one of the best old fashions ever. Um, so I finished it, and then he left to go hear Confessions, and I put it down, and the lady's like, would you like another? I was like, I'll have a water. So from that point, so I was on January 3rd to the Patronal Feast, February 3rd, I didn't have any drinks. And then at the feast, I had a bunch of wine. And I I was just, honestly, I was unimpressed. I didn't like how I felt that night or the, the morning after. I wasn't wasted in any way, shape, or form. Um, I mean, sure, know. I had two bottles, but I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I could drive. <laughs> I, could dr- I could drive mostly. I could drive <laughs> down a straight road in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to stop me? <laughs> um 
Uh, no, but uh, I I just didn't like how I felt, and so yeah. I was like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. So I started talking to Shane, and I was like, I'm definitely going to do this for Lent since it's an early Lent, and it was already like February 4th. I was like, I can wait 10 days, make it a part of Lent. But then I like, I just feel so good. Yeah. That's I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be like, look, Gormley, like even when you just have one and it's fun and it's a social thing. I only drink socially, right? But it's like, but I don't want to feel, I don't, I don't want, I'm, I'm so old. There is a bit of a backlash now against alcohol that's been going on where I think people our age are like, yeah, I don't want to feel like crap. And people who either have a they have an an addiction like oh wow this is kind of a bit much people are like I don't want to do this I think you're seeing a lot of Gen Z, a lot of Gen Zers choose to not drink seeing how we acted um, <laughs> but well I I will say like American drinking really declined uh, during and post pro prohibition it doesn't really start to increase until the 70s and it's on this like continual like. And I think when we were in college, was kind of like the height of like, ah, just give me all the beer, you know, and just like, it was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, like college partying, I think there's also been like, and um, with a lot of the Me Too stuff, there's been a reaction to the culture that was created from oh, yeah. drinking. Yeah, the hard so, Greek life culture of frats yeah, and sororities just, and all that stuff. But like, I mean, I remember when we were in college, just anywhere you went, it was just drunkenness all the time. So great. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, drunkenness but, uh, all the time for us? No, just like anywhere else you would go. Oh yeah, yeah. Like when we went to that to UD to the University by you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I that was cra- that's where I realized <laughs> Halloween like, Franciscan like, ah, is nothing ah, like. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we go to a weird school. We go to a weird school. I remember I was about we were at at in a dorm room and there was a bunch of dudes pre gaming. And one guy was two sheets to the wind. And yeah. I remember someone saying, oh, I can out chug you. I can out chug yeah. you. Yeah, I, I remember I this. Almost, yeah. I almost said, oh, I bet you I could do it. And I, I wasn't, I was, we were 18. I yeah. wasn't, I never drank. I, I mean, I've had maybe like and you were like, I can life. chug Coke pretty fast. That's exactly why I like <laughs> caught myself. I was like, shut up, little boy. <laughs> Don't say that because yeah. they will savage you. And the one guy who was so I, yep, obliterated. I know exactly who it was. It was just so great. Took the can and just went. It was. And just, yeah. It's hit his weird ability to just. Yeah. Within man, I don't want to say two seconds. How, a yeah, second. It, it, was it was shocking. Like, it was, it's, it's a party trick almost. It's, a, yeah. it's so crazy. Yeah. And it was uh, him and my buddy. You remember? It was. And my. I love my friend who was there. But he was. This guy is a guy that I, I started. So let me kind of explain a bit of the dynamic. So the guy who was trying to challenge, like I could drink fast. This is like my best friend from growing up, right? He's got a little bit of an ego. And uh, um, and uh, this other guy was a guy that we were quickly becoming very good friends with, but didn't know very well. Yeah, the guy who was able to like do the party trick. Or, and so my buddy just starts doing this thing. I'm like, oh, God, Aaron, shut up. Why are you doing this right now? Like, don't. I said his name. Sorry. I was like, like, there's no need to do this. Like, why are we throwing our proverbial penises on the table here? Like, we're just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my buddy just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, man. It's, but I just, I feel like that so proverbial. isn't really celebrated anymore. I mean, at, at the level yeah. it once was. Like, you're, you're seeing now a lot of uh, groups have, a lot of bars will have non-alcoholic drinks, different things like that. Yeah. And I, I, do, I do think part of it is, like, 
there is also a growing thing of like, hey, alcohol is poison for your body. Yeah, I think uh, the Andrew Huberman podcast and the stuff that he's done on alcohol really can't be because he's insanely popular. I mean, he's in the top five of all podcasts now, I think, and maybe even top three. And his one on alcohol, like, it is hard to look away from that when you're like, his his recommendation is something like no more than one or two drinks a week, and he's like anything over that you are you are actively destroying your body, and he's like everyone thinks like oh I my sit poor, down my I'll poor have body five, I know my he's poor like, body. you have five drinks you know you binge drink you know four <laughs> or five beers you know he's like and you do that once in a while he's like I'm not judging you he's like but what I'm saying is biochemically that takes a massive toll on your body. And you're just like, oh gosh, I don't need another thing. I just don't need another thing to worry yeah, well, about. Mm-hmm. I mean, That's I'm more. getting at the age now where if I don't drink enough um, water, I have like all sorts of problems. You seem to get dehydrated very quickly. I, I forget to drink. I for, and I drink too fast when I do, and then I just forget it. So like, I, I will just go like hours without because I won't think about my like, crap. And I'll try it, you know. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I uh yeah, I, I I don't know what it is, but um so I I've been doing that, but the funny thing is there's a great piece of advice I got where the guy was talking about starting a business and he said we started when it was the worst time ever, you know, 2008, you know, recession and blah 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 or, or maybe right now with the all the inflation stuff. He's like he goes, "Don't use that as an excuse." Because the way you reframe it in your head is, yeah, it was the worst time to start a business. So it's never going to get worse than how it is right now, and we're going to survive. And I started thinking about that, and because the funny thing happened when I was at Seek, and then all the other events that I did, almost, almost every single week revolved around going to a bar, going to... um a restaurant that makes really great whatever you know like some epic drink thing and i had to sit there and be like no thank you i'm not i'm not drinking alcohol no thank you i'm not a, you know whatever at first i was drinking soda but then for lent i added soda and so it's like okay done done with that all i have is coffee and water and it's fascinating because it's like well if this is as hard as it's going to be people at great like uh breweries famous distilleries and they're like hey we're gonna have our young adult event for theology on tap at this distillery and you're like i will have water okay if i can make it through that then i think i can make it through pretty much anything yeah maybe a luke apocalypse might be the only thing that that's no 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 and and i and we can we can certainly we've had fun without drinking what's this 2002 (laughs) it's true it's yeah uh no and I, yeah I I there is a part of me that like I mean I I love it I'll never stop but um I definitely want to find that like what is it now because I just I've just ever since the divorce I just don't drink I, I didn't make a conscious choice I just I don't like drinking uh, I don't like to drink alone um yeah. I I typically will have like maybe like a beer or something but I just I won't it's just not like and plus I don't want to wake up and I don't want to you know like. I don't want to deal with all this stuff. I don't. Right? I don't. There are so many repercussions when you're in your 40s. <laughs> oh, my like, gosh. Oh, yeah. now I'm peeing three times? This is great. Yeah. Exactly. You don't need that. I just feel like, yeah, no, thank you. I think that so. we all, like, I, I remember there was a, a, a evangelical pastor that lived in the woodlands, and he was in charge of the um, Young Life group, 
And someone was trying to explain Lent to him, one of my Catholic teens. And he goes, Lent is so stupid. And the kid's <laughs> like, why? And he goes, look, if, I, if something's bad in my life, I'm not going to wait till some magical Wednesday to give it up. And the, he, the kid came to me and he goes, what, what do you say to that? And I was like, well, yeah, if it's bad in your life, the problem with human <laughs> yeah. life is it's the good things that actually end up taking us out. Right, like it's not that like we're not saying like oh you 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 you're you have a a murder problem. We'll wait until Ash Wednesday to get rid of your murder problem. No, what we're saying is like <coughs> refrain from things you love because then it's a sacrifice, and the sacrifice yeah, it's itself teaches you something. Yeah, yeah, it teaches you. Oh crap! I what a weird attitude towards the Lent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because the guy, you know, he'd never done it before, and all he does is hear Catholics be like, oh, I'm giving up meat for Lent, or I'm giving up this. And, you know, there were movies, what was it called, 40 Days and 40 Nights, or 40 Days, uh, I don't know. It was with um, Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. The, yeah. yeah. It was about him it giving up sex good. for Lent. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and then all the women throw themselves at him. But the idea of it is, you're not giving up bad things. You should always give those up. You don't give up your sin. My pastor always had to keep saying that. Like Lent isn't about giving up sin. You should always be giving up sin. Lent yeah. is about giving up things you love so that it's a sacrifice that you grow in self-control and simplicity and modesty of, of life. And, and you know, um, you learn to be content in all things. And so I was just thinking like, yeah, like it's the good things that you give up. And and that's what makes you a better person. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how good the good things become an enemy of the best when they get in the way of the best, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I just keep coming back to like alcohol is good and soda is good. Well, not to your body, but uh, <laughs> these things are like fun and enjoyable, and you can have a drink in your hand and have fun, community, blah blah blah. But then there comes a point where it's like, yeah, but. But for me, it has a cost, a price tag that I don't think I'm willing to pay anymore for the time being until I can Mm -hmm. know that I have not control, but like I want absolute freedom. I want to be able to have really bad days and not say I need a drink. I want to be able to say I need to go for a run. Yeah. And I'm not there yet. You want to change. That's what I want. Yeah. You want to change. It's about change. And it's not a, like, you know, we're growing up, you know, if there's anything about like, uh, and I'm actually ex- ex- excited for our podcast in this kind of like next era that we're going into here as we enter deeper into our forties is I, I see both of us really wanting change, n- not because we're in these terrible positions per se. Although, you know, uh, I'll, I mean, speak, I'll speak for, <laughs> starting to speak for you. <laughs> I could be a little bit better. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Luke, <laughs> I was trying to say we're changing for good reasons. It's not because you yeah. know, like, like, and, and, and it's not that we were like opposed to change in the past or anything. But I think now yeah. there's a little bit more of a um, you're seeing, you know, you're like you've got the face that you, you, that you deserve, right? You're seeing, okay, this is, these yeah. are the areas, these are the areas that I, like I need to improve on because it's not just going to magically get better now, right? You know, right. And that's the, what do you think of this quote? There's a woman who said, uh, she was arrested. Oh, dude, did I share this already? She was arrested six times. Her dad, when she was, when she woke up 
from her alcoholic stupor. She was at her parents' house. She's like, oh, crap. And her dad said, she's like waiting for him to blast her. And she just says, he just said to her, one of these days, you're going to end up killing yourself and by the yeah. way she was acting. I think I shared this story. But yeah. her, her phrase was this, and I want your opinion. Uh, when the pain of change, when the pain of staying the same is equal to or less than the pain of change, you won't change. Mm-hmm. But if the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, that's when most people will change. And to me, I keep reflecting on it and I keep talking about it because like for my physical health and well-being, which I just want to say all the Catching Foxes fans who uh, were uh, saddened, heartbroken, whatever uh, encouraging words that you sent me via email. Thank you. Appreciate it all. Um, But like my weight stuff, the pain of being overweight is largely a mental game, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because like I could still do stuff but i knew i think in my rational mind as you know someone who's almost 42 and i got kids and i'm looking for the future i'm like wait a second i can now reframe the pain and make it more painful staying the same with this idea of like i won't be able to do things with my kids that i want to do for the next 20 years if i keep going this path so that increased the pain in my mind and then said, okay, something's got to give, right? So what me and my wife do our little thing, we have these non-scale victories where we share like, hey, this shirt I haven't been able to wear in six months, I can put it on and it's even a little loose. And this shirt that I'm shirt wearing right that now. The last time like, I wore it was before uh, Luke stole it from me back in 2005. <laughs> Why was I ever roommates with him? Uh, but the shirt I'm wearing right now, this is a victory shirt. Mm-hmm. right nice. i couldn't i i fatted out of it and now i'm i'm back in it so it's funny like stuff like that you're like okay i'm making progress walking towards a goal mm-hmm. well let me speak to that the, the question you asked me when i think about that quote by kind of yep. i'm gonna pigeonhole it a little bit into the thought that i had um yes i think i think for the most part that's that's true i do think there's a, a level of like i think there's something to be said for things like enthusiasm I'm I'm excited about this thing. I'm gonna go yeah. and do it. But even then, it's the thought of not doing it is more painful than the cost of doing it. Yeah. Right? Because because you have a level of like enthusiasm. So I I think it's true. I don't think it means you need to bottom out every single time in order to like right. make a change. I just think it means that like like um I mean there's a story I heard I, I was may have been from that like like finished book or I forget but like something about some person who. She went through like a breakup and she wanted to like make a bunch of change and it just didn't happen for her. And then she started to train. She just started to like run a marathon or train for like a marathon or, or mm-hmm. and, like she got obsessed with this goal. And then that she started to see all this improvements in her other areas of, of, of like her life. Cause she just yeah. got, she got enthusiastic or had a goal about this one thing. And that led yeah. to all this other stuff that she was trying to do that she couldn't just do. It all just started to happen because she had this, it was at the service of this great, this, this greater thing. Yeah. As opposed to, well I, well, I know I've got to change. So I think there's something. So my point is something to be said about like enthusiasm with that. And so I don't think it's a, I don't think it's uh very black and white per, per se, which it can be when it's talked. It's particularly when it's talked. I mean, with addictions, of course, you have bottoming out and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, you don't always have to have that with, with, with 
in life. I do think what's interesting about where we are right now and composed to where we were in our 20s and in and in our 30s, particularly within our 20s, is the change you're trying to invoke in your life is more about a person you want to become. Yeah. Way more than a thing about myself that I need to get away from or I need to end or I need to fix or I need to find I'm healing for or I need, or I need to actually change about myself. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a little bit of a, I think in the, at our age I'm starting to find I'm reacting more to parts of myself than I was when I was younger. When I was younger, it was about trying to become a certain thing, and I may have hit it, I may have not. At times, I was you know both things happen. I think right now it's a little bit more of an understanding of this is the stuff I want in my life. This is the stuff that I don't. This is what I'm willing to go through to not have the crap in my life that I don't want because I have the experience of it now. Whereas before it was trying to like reach towards towards some ideal. And now it's like, okay, well, well what happens when you hit that and you still got crap? Because like we're always <laughs> going to have it. But now we have a little bit more experience. I would imagine like the older we get, the more we're going to have a better idea of who we want to be and how we want to go about that because of our life, ex- life experience. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I, I think uh, this is why I think philosophy is so powerful. Like Socrates, his whole mission in his whole life was to know thyself. And it was written on the walls of the Oracle at Delphi. Pull the mic up to your face. That. What'd you say? Oh, hello. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Oracle at Delphi, it said, know thyself. And that became Socrates' motto. And it's so fascinating to me. Like, I'm still getting to know myself. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I, and, and this is part of the alienation from within yourself and all this stuff. But this is also the reason why I think we need to saturate ourselves in things that are overwhelmingly positive because when you surround yourself in negativity you might feel like the cool kid taking a crap on everything else but you're not contributing anything mm-hmm. and if we're not contributing yeah. you're not contributing your own life to anyone else's life you're just pretending to be cool by being cruel <laughs> and that kind of rhymes so you know it's true but the that like at the heart of it like what what fools we are not trying to grow ourselves um wasn't it weird like how soft how sophomoric that negativity can can be yeah i mean there is a thing to be said about dwelling in reality but i i think that there's a difference between reality and being excessively negative yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I'm a. I want to be a man of optimism. They, they said uh, in writing goals, the thing you should do is write as if you have completed them. So let's say you have a goal like, I have my master's in business administration for you know whatever your degree is. I have it right. Like not I will get this year, but I current like you write it in yeah, the present tense. Yeah. Because it tricks your brain into thinking like, oh, I got the milestone because you're writing it, you're thinking it, you're saying it. And uh, it's just these like funny little tricks that we do to our little lizard brains that enable us to be like, oh, crap. Like, yeah, I I really do have this block or this thing. And so my my hope, and this is not meant to be a self-help thing, but the more I grow as a person inwardly and outwardly, the better it'll affect Shannon the better it'll affect my kids, the better it'll affect the show. And so I think the alcohol component and the, and the soda component are just two little things in my life 
that became defaults when they don't need to be. And I'm getting rid of them for a season, and we'll see. And I'm okay with that. Well, speaking of growing, I'm realizing that I need to stop here because I'm I need to rest. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. I started to. Yeah. I'm trying to take a little bit um, of stuff off my plate and just trying to. Not, long way of uh, what am I trying to say? Being sick this past week has really, really, really sucked, and I've had to put a lot of stuff off. But I've also been like, I need to, or it's just something I get better. This is what my doctor pretty much told me. So, Lukey, you look tired. You should take a sleepy. Take a 15-minute nap and go pick up your daughter from daycare. Try not to uh, cough on her. Yeah, seriously. Thank you to... She's the one who got me sick in the first place. Uh, thank you to the Steubenville Conferences for sponsoring this episode. Gilmore, thank you for taking the time. Thank you to Zaldis for allowing you to use their uh, fantastic basement. Please give them my um, say hello to them from me. I miss them so. I will. I will. Uh, are you in the room that doesn't have any windows? No. Uh, yes. Yes. And yeah, let me tell you, I sleep like a baby in that room. Yeah, it's great. Yep. Oh, it's, it's nice an bed. ice box too, which I love. Mm-hmm. And I'm out. Yep. I'm out. I know exactly which room you are talking about. All right, man. All well, right, y'all. God bless. This is fun. Patreon.com slash slash CF. We need the money. <laughs>